Hi, everybody. This is Novel Ideas for Friday, May 17th, May 17th, 2019. And we are going to be led in our discussion tonight by Carla Hayes, who will be discussing the Hunchback of Notre Dame. So, Carla, take it away. Hello, can you all hear me? Yes, yes. very yeah, well. Can. Great. Um, I hope you like this book. Um, it was a complex one. It's, of course, a classic. And for those of you that are just listening in and may, haven't read the book and want to, it's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it's DB28784. And it's by Victor Hugo, which we pronounce Victor Hugo. And it was first published in, in 1831. Of course, it's a classic. It was read by Robert um, uh, Blumenfeld. And I think he did an excellent job myself. It's 18 hours and 48 minutes. And, and this, it's sort of a historical romance, and it's set in 1482, the 1482 France of Louis XI. And it concerns Quasimodo, who, and, and I'll spell that Q-U-A-S-I-M-O-D-O, and he is the hunchback bell ringer of um, the Paris Cathedral of Notre Dame. And his love for the gypsy girl Esmeralda and... Um, by the way, I'll, I'll try to parse out a few things, and then I'm going to go around and ask you all what you thought. But um, just a, a few explications and explanations might be in order here. Um, the name Quasimodo, C-U-A-S-I-M-O-D-O, um, well, Quasimodo, Quasimodo, of course, was the hunchback, of, and um, he had a giant wart, which um, covered his left eye, and of course he was a hunchback, and he was born to a, a gypsy tribe, and at infancy he was switched with a physically normal girl named Agnes, who turns out to be Esmeralda, as we find out later, and when um, she finds him, Agnes's mother thinks that the gypsies have, have kidnapped her little baby and eaten her, and um, and the other, another one of the most um, well-known characters, important characters, is the Archdeacon Claude Frollo, and he adopts the baby, Quasimodo, and names him after the day that the baby was found. Quasimodo means Sunday, the, the first Sunday after Easter, so it's sort of the oh. October Sunday. I didn't know if you knew that or not. And by the way, Esmeralda in Spanish means emerald. I, th I think the, the meanings of these names are very important. Anyhow, um, Frollo brings him up to be the bell ringer of Notre Dame Cathedral. And um, he goes deaf due to the loud bells of the cathedral. And he's hated um, for his deformity, for the most part, um, by the populace of France. And he's bullied and tortured and... Um, you know, we've read all about that. And he, but he is kind at heart and he only does bad things when, <laughs> you know, um, when prompted by others or in his own defense or when defending somebody else. And um, as you know, Frollo, Claude Frollo, lusts after Esmeralda. Um, um, and um, 
he enlists Quasimodo's help to kidnap her and Captain Phoebus. Um, the, the other part of the the, um, the triangle is Captain Phoebus, um, P-H-O-E-B-U-S, de Chateau-Père, which is C-H-A-T-A-Q-T-E-A-U-P-E-R-S. And he arrives to stop the kidnapping. And of course, you know that Esmeralda is really in love with him. <laughs> you know, it gets sort of complex. Um, but another principal character, of course, is um, Corinne Noir, the poet, G-R-I-N-O-I-R-E, the poet. And I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I don't want to spoil the, the, the whole plot and everything in case somebody wants to read this novel or in case somebody hasn't finished it. But I, I do want to give you a few interesting facts before we go on to discuss the novel. There may have been a real-life Hunchback. Uh, there was uh, some archivists found um, records of a real hunchback um, stone carver who worked at Notre Dame in the 1820s and who may have even known Victor Hugo. And uh, they lived together in the same town in 1833. And the original title of this book in, um, in French, which of course it was in French, and I read it originally in French. And to tell you the truth, um, I think the English, um, um, they did a very good job, um, although I think it always loses something in the translation when you read it in a translation. But its original French title was Notre Dame de Paris, Notre Dame of Paris. And it took him about three years to write this book. And um, there's a lot of symbolism in the book. And um, Quasimoto, a lot of scholars, or some scholars think that Quasimoto, Quasimoto became a symbol of Notre Dame and how um, Victor Hugo was displeased at how Notre Dame had um, fallen into disrepair. And even at that time, the, the, the um, flying buttresses were crumbling and there were different um, issues there. So, and um, But anyhow, I think it's a, it's a really superb novel myself. <laughs> I could do without the violence and stuff, but hey, well, what can I say? All right, so I, I think I've said enough, um, but I did want to give you a little of the historical uh, facts. I could go on forever about this, uh, but I'm not going to because this is your group. I'd like to go around and give people a chance to talk about their impressions of this book. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> um, this is Liz. Um, overall, I have to say I really enjoyed the book. Um, I found some of it a little dry and plodding, but I loved this. I loved the the essence of the story of Quasimodo and Esmeralda. Um, he was just, uh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, he was one of those tragic, you know, figures that a really, really good person wrapped up in a very unpleasant looking body. And, you know, I, I think that the book just really tells the story of what people who are not, you know, considered to the standard of beauty, what, what many of them have to go through. And his was certainly an extreme case. Um, and I, I just, I really found it good. I found the ending very sad and a little creepy. <laughs> but. But it was good. I really enjoyed it. Well, th th this is Alan. Uh, I, I can't say 
I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm glad I read it. I think it's good to be exposed to this kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, since we're mentioning what names mean, I'm just curious. Do, you didn't say what Phoebus meant. Does that mean narcissistic women womanizer by any chance? Because <laughs> I, I, I really did not care for him, and I really didn't understand. Uh, Esmeralda seemed to be a lot more intelligent than 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 all of that that uh, she fell for him like she did. I, I, I had a hard time with that part of the story. But, you know, it, it did take place uh, 600 plus or, you know, 500 something years ago. But uh, uh, my, my, my problem with it, I guess, uh, I, I, I guess Victor Hugo must have fancied himself somewhat of a closet architect. Uh, I, I could have done without all of his mm-hmm. uh, uh, opining on the, the, the physical structures. And when, and when he went into that that diatribe about uh, uh, the printing press and books replacing architecture and stuff. I, I thought, yeah, really? We're going to equate a building to be the same thing as a book. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I realize they're both art forms, but I, th- I thought he was kind of going a little bit out there. And I, I, the, the book could have been, at, you know, half the length, but uh, uh, you know, you know, that, that, that's my opinion. But like I said, it, uh, uh, and I, and, and I got a little tired of all the, uh, the, the, the rabble talking amongst each other and stuff uh, when, when, when they were, you know, commenting about this and that and other what was going on. But, you know, uh, I, I could see it happening, but uh, I, I, I don't enjoy uh, idiot common people anymore in print than I do in real life. So uh, I, got, I got a little tired of that. But, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he obviously was an intelligent guy, but uh, I, I, I'm not a big fan of tragedies and uh, I, I, I wish that the ending had been a little bit different, but you know, but, but it is what it is. And, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I read it. My name's LaDonna and I'll go next. I thought that if, um, you understood French, Latin, and Greek, you might enjoy this book a lot more, but since it was written in 1883 and sold out as soon as it hit the presses and has been selling well ever since then, I think it has something to safe heart so it must be a pretty good book so i uh kept with it when they described the cathedral that was a little hard to get through with that uh, paragraph section of the book was kind of difficult uh tedious for us 21st century readers but uh, but uh not for not for eighteen eighty two not for eighteen eighty two or eighteen eighty three. Back then they didn't have television and radio and and uh they're able to uh pay attention and keep uh concentrating on one subject is a lot better than than is now. We want a snappy thing to go one, two, three. I thought it was a love story, a three way love story. Of course, Cozy Model, not Cozy Model, loved the gypsy girl. He loved her with a kind of love that is sacrificing. He'd do anything for her, and uh, he'd protect her. He would uh, look after her. He would do anything. That's the kind of love he had. Then there was the priest, uh, the deacon of Paris, and his kind of love was a sexual love of lust. He wanted the girl, but he didn't just want her. He wanted her for himself. 
and for sex. And if no one else, if he could not have her, no one else could have her. He would not have, he'd rather crush her than, than. then there was uh, other kind of love, uh, Esmeralda's love for Phoebe, a Phoebus, was kind of what we used to call when I was a kid, uh, puppy love. She was only 16, and she loved uh, Phoebus with all her heart, and all he wanted to do was have her as a plaything. Of course, she didn't realize that, and her love for uh, him actually uh, gave her away and caused her terrible ending because uh, she heard his his name and spoke up when she was in hiding and they were about to go away and look for her somewhere else and so there's quite a few other things I'd like to say about the book but I'll give way for right now well, before anybody makes any more comment I just want to say I know that some of you may have become impatient with some of the historical um, rantings <laughs> but um, there's a lot of of course um, I guess I ate it up because I do know French and Latin and I spent some time in Paris and um, I had to go back to Notre Dame several times. I just, I'm in love with Notre Dame and I actually bawled when it was on fire on April the 15th. It was like, it was just awful. I mean, I, it was like a part of me was dying and I'm so glad that so much of it was preserved. But some of the historical stuff, if you read it real seriously and you know some of the history of the Middle Ages and of uh, France, um, it, it makes the book make more sense. And the business about the printing press, um, the printing, the Gutenberg press was invented in 1455, I, I believe, and it did change the, the um, everything, um, even for the, the, the church. When you think about it, before that, what you had was monks who just um, copied them, the the scrolls and the scripts and things like that, and and the um, the um, actual congregation, the populace knew only what the clerics fed them, and now people could read for themselves. And um, in some ways, the the word did take um, that there was a lot of expression in the cathedrals. The the stained glass windows were actually made to be didactic to teach about the Bible and same with the statuary and um, some of the architecture of the time and the, the one reason that the book may have been so black and tragic is because of what was going on during that time you figure you had the French Revolution um, Victor Hugo's father of course and a lot of the contemporary writers had survived the, the horrible French Revolution and the reign of terror I'm not going to get into that and um, you know, 1789 and on, and then of course Napoleon's defeat and his death in 1821. By 1831, um, there was another uprising going on, and um, in 1830 into 31, and it was thought that this novel wouldn't sell, but it did. Um, so, so that's the reason for some of these things. I'm, I'm not trying to defend the book, um, but I can understand that if you're not into history, that would be a little difficult for you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up and let the rest of you continue. But I just wanted to to give you that little bit of it. At the time, some thought that that printing press could be the end of the church, because yeah. the priest would not be the only ones who knew uh, the testaments. And able to read it, and thought they thought that they thought that that printing press could be the end of the church's organization. Well, that is true. 
And, well, this is Marcia, and I did not read the book. But I wanted to come this evening to find out what other people thought of the book. And Carla, I want to thank you for giving us some enlightenment as far as the background and the meaning of the names and that kind of thing. Uh, this is a very interesting di discussion, and I'm glad I'm, I'm here. But uh, I, I, I don't regret not reading the book, but maybe at some point, uh, you know, it might happen. But uh, I just uh, want to thank you. You're doing an excellent job. I didn't say this, but um, if you don't want to read the book, there are several movie adaptations and short versions of the, the story out there and books out there that you could get the sense of it without going through the, you know, 18 hours and 48 yeah. minutes in French. It was, it was two or three volumes, I think. I think it was something like 948 pages in its original transcript. Well, that's very admirable of you to, to have read it in French. I think that's great. <laughs> I'm wondering, was, was this book released all at once, or was it released as all a serial? Once. All at okay. once. At once. Okay. And um, okay. it was delayed several times. Right. But, um, you know, he finally wrote it, I think, in a period of five or six months. They do give yeah. some background about it, too. Yeah, he wrote it. Now, yes, uh, they did. finished it in a rush. Right. Mm -hmm. I read the end of it, yeah. Okay. Others? I'd like to say something since so someone else spoke up. And I had a lot to think about this because I did like the book. I, in the beginning, uh, they were uh, at the celebration for the Festival of Fools, which is a celebration that they had every year. And I thought, uh, they talked about people who would come very early to, to get into the uh, festival early and so they would get right in the front of the line. And some people would stay there overnight uh, so that they could be first in line. And I thought, well, that's just what we do today with very popular events and stuff. But when, during the Festival of Fools, uh, the, the uh, cardinal was supposed to come, and he was late showing up. And so the people there were uh, anxious to get started with the play and with other festivals that things that was going to go into festivals. And so I thought the author did a really good uh, job of that would go on in, in the crowd. For one thing, uh, they did a contest that I thought, my goodness, well, who would join this contest? Because it was uh, where people would go in and on uh, the other side of the wall, and they even broke out a glass. I thought, how expensive that must be to broke, breaking out that glass so you could have a place to, uh, to sit high and over the thing. But they would go on the other side, and they'd poke their head through this hole. And the one with the ugliest face would be elected the Pope of the Fools, and they would celebrate him. And, of course, they would all uh, put their head through back, threw their head back there, and uh, they would applaud for him, the ones they thought was the best. And, of course, Quasimodo won that one. But one guy poked his head, head through uh, the, in the crowd, his head through the window, and someone in the crowd said, oh, look at that face. Isn't that ugly? Oh, isn't that your husband? <laughs> you, you know? And I thought that was really great, the way that 
that they did that. But here was another thing. The, the play was late to get started. And the, the author of the play was on a stage dressed in black. And two young women uh, beckoned him over. And of course, even then, you know, young women, boy, you can go right over there and talk. And, and they were talking about, oh, is, this, is this one really good? He says, yes, it's really good. Because he was the author of it. It's going to really, was it as good as last year? Oh, yeah, it was. The year two years ago, they said, he told them. He said they had dancing girls. They have dancing girls in this one too. And um, it said that uh, dancing girls two years ago danced naked. And I saw what danced naked. I thought their mores was a lot different. Wouldn't let you have nude women, but they said they did. I don't know. Someone else? Did I drive everybody clear out of the group? Oh no. no. We all we all left. <laughs> no, no. no, no. Um, I don't know. Can I be heard? Uh -huh. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Hi, it's Ruth Ann. And I didn't finish the book. I did start it and everything. I had uh, received some very bad news this week about my sister. And uh, that's kind of put any kind of reading. I'm reading very light things at this point, but uh, I, I really think that this might be a book, uh, Carla. I really appreciated what you, you know, how you brought us up to date on this book, and and that you've, you know, given us uh, a good, some, you know, historical background. But I would like to say. Um, the fire that we had in, in that 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 came in uh, to Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame, uh, was. Do you feel that this is uh, you know something that uh, the uh, that it had a uh, you know repercussions on or references as to what the, uh, was going on in this book, or do you think that that was kind of a portent of things to come, or? Well, it's funny how they did refer to the, the, on the roof of Notre Dame, there's a section called the forest, and that's the part that burned. There's a lot of wood up there, and um, thankfully we didn't lose the bell towers and everything. It is thought that um, it's, still, there's, it's still under investigation, of course, but it's thought that it could have been an, a construction accident because they were in the process of restoring Notre Dame, and the, you know the... Um, the real irony is they had um, taken out some of the statuary the week before, um, you know, to, to clean it and had taken it off the premises and it could have mm -hmm. been lost, you know, like the, um, mm -hmm. the apostles and some of the statuary. And um, thankfully they only lost really 10% of the artwork and not too much of the front facade. Um, but it, um, as far as how the, the effect, it's had a lot of effect on the French populace in that um, it's the, it's, its location is in the middle of Paris. It's sort of on an island, and it's sort of the heart of, Notre, of, of Paris because of the bells and, and, and you know, the, the, um, it, it is a working cathedral. You know, and it, it's not going to be used for a long time, and they said that it will be restored 
that the president has ordered it to be restored. And then, of course, there are people that are resentful that so much money is being spent on a cathedral when there are so many people that are struggling and all this. There's that usual discussion. But a lot of um, people have come forth to support the renovation and reconstruction of what was damaged at Notre Dame. In the beginning of the book, Hugo talks a lot. I well, not in the beginning in the book about uh, the cathedral. He talks about a lot uh, about the, the the repairs that were done and and the uh, uh, cathedral. It, uh, he says, you know, wasn't exactly what they saw a hundred years ago. It was different, and so that's going to be the way today. A uh, uh, hundred years from now, the cathedral will still be there, and they'll be talking about the way the church used to look as it is going to be built today. And, you know, it's funny. One thing they're going to use in the restoration, there's a video game, I believe, that was made where they actually went in and photographed the inside of the um, cathedral to the nth detail. And they're going to oh. use that in the restoration to, to guide them along, too. Um, so, um, you know, they were lucky to have no. that. And that some of the statuary was taken off of the premises to be cleaned and, um, you know, cleaned up a bit. Does someone else have something to say about the book? Okay, I have one other thing. Then uh, I thought it was very interesting that at the end of the book, the priest falls from the top of the church and is killed. Quasimodo disappear and nobody ever sees him again. Esmeralda's mother is thrown to the ground. She hits her head and she dies. Esmerella is hung and is killed by hanging. And I thought it was interesting what Hugo's last uh, word on this was. Uh, he said that Phoebus also had a bad outcoming. He got married. That yeah, was, all, that was all he said. He, uh, Phoebus also had a bad outcome. He got married. In so some ways, Victor Hugo has a very dry sense of humor. If you've read some of his writing, every once in a while it pops into something, into his poetry. And there are even some segments of Les Miserables, you know, the, the other yeah. uh, noted novel that he wrote. Yeah. And that is interesting. This was, this was a bit of a difficult book to read, but if you stayed with it, mm -hmm. the, story, the, the story tells you why it was, it's been popular for more than 132 years. Well, incidentally, we went to see La Miserable yesterday afternoon, and it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful production of the of the program, or of the of the of the play. And uh, it's we, you know, the, we were you know really enjoyed the the you know the play that we saw of it. We and uh, all the people that were in it and everything like that. And uh, I'm wondering too, that like the, uh, um, anybody with a disability or a, a defect that many times, you know, they were portrayed as some kind of a freak or some kind of a, you know, uh, character that, uh, and, and weren't, you know, it, they just weren't taken seriously as as human beings, and and uh, I thought that that was you know something kind of yeah. Being blind then wouldn't have been any fun. Alert! Alan Levely is the host now.
Alert, Alan Lemley is the host now. Well, I know that we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Um, we're still not taken as seriously as we should be. I know I experience it, and I'm sure you yeah. all have in various degrees. Not even any, not, not enough described movies. Well, I mean, even in the, the workplace, and, you know, there, there's a lot, a long ways to go, and I don't want to get into that kind of discussion, but I do want to say that um, the hunchback, um, you know, for a person who is disabled, it's sort of... You know, he becomes symbolism of, of dis- disability in general. And, um, you know, it's it's really, it's it was really sad. It really made me very sad when, um, you know, he, he, he was being so considerate that she would, that Esmeralda wouldn't have to look at him. You know, she, um, you know, um, you know, he would um, try to look upon her when she was asleep. And he said that, you know, she didn't have to look at him and, but he really loved her and he just wanted her to get beyond that. And it was really crazy because um, what happened was he even brought in, the, do you remember the two vases that he brought into the cell when she was in uh, Notre Dame? I'm going to ignore my phone. Um, she, um, um, he showed her the two vases, the one with the flowers that were sort of dying and the real yeah. one. And he was trying to show the difference between him and Phoebus that, you know, yeah. it was a very self sort of centered and sort of a, a egotistical good to look at sort of a guy, but it was sort of superficial, but he might've, um, uh, Quasimoto may have, may have, may have had his defects, but he was, uh, you know, he, he had a true love, a true sacrificial love for her. And those two vases were sort of symbolic of that. When uh, Hugo describes when Phoebus was trying to seduce Esmerella, they were in that in the room. I think he had rented for that purpose, and uh, he says uh, uh, Phoebus tells her, "Oh, I love you! I love you so much!" And Hugo says he says that without even stuttering, and just because it was well practiced, he's done it so many, told so many other girls before. You know, that's what he went over to tell her, and that was you know. The way he uh, said that uh, Phoebus had told all of his girls he was just uh, what Alan said about him earlier. And it was interesting in the ending how they, 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 they called the last section, one of the last sections he called the, the wedding of Quasimodo, and they found him... Um, there's um, perhaps um, it's speculated that maybe he went to the foot of the um, where she was hung and um, you know he just um, put his arms around her and the two when they found the the, the remains of both of them they could not be separated yeah they were they, they I think they put her in a whale or something like that and at the bottom of the whale uh, her bones you know was set but Cosimoto that's why they never anyone ever saw him again because he went off just to be with her she was killed she was out and she was at the bottom of the well and he went down there with her and put his arms around her and that's the where he ended his days and that's why those many years later they found two skeletons uh intertwined with one another you know one thing even when i read it in french that i could never understand when they got off the boat like renoir ran off and he took the goat you know he took um, julie oh, yeah right. the goat and forgot about yeah because he, 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 he was thinking to himself now i can't save both of them i can't save both of them yeah. and so he decided on the goat yeah 
and that's just that sort of I don't know why, but that struck me as sort of funny. It would have been a very different a different outcome had he chosen the opposite. <laughs> they thought she was a bit of a uh, what's the word uh, uh, that did magic tricks and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, because she, she had taught the she had taught the goats so well, but uh, Hugo tells how he, she did that uh, when the goat she asked the goat for the uh, days of the week, what day is this? And the goat would pound it out on the tambourine that she carried, and so she'd say, "Well, what month is it?" And the goat would tap it out in the tambourine. What year is it? And the goat would tap it out in the tambourine. And Hugo describes that each time. As she asked a new question, she changed the position of the tambourine. And that's how the goat knew what to do, because the goat would look down and see the tambourine, and this is the way it is. And you put uh, put your paw out, uh, or hoof out there three or four times, whatever day it was. And then that's the way it was. But they thought they thought that was a witch's, witch's thing. And I thought the goat was... Uh, really neat, uh, but I thought she was neat the way she would dance. Uh, and the vision I got of her, she was a young girl. She danced at the at the festival, and she would dance through the stage. And she smiled and made everybody happy with with her smile and her cheerful attitude and her and her beautiful dance. And she would spin her tambourine and hold her finger up, and it would spin on one finger for a little bit, and she'd catch it, throw it. And all, all with the rhythm of, of the music, of music, the tambourine was making music as she'd walk down the thing. And so many people, and that's why I've got the priest, priest looked down her, at her, and, uh, you know, he had sworn a life uh, without, what is the word, without women, you know, and, uh, and he looked down at her, and uh, the, the, his hormones just took over. And he had to have her, whereas Quasimodo looked down, at her also at the same time. They both looked at her dancing at the same place. But Quasimodo never felt that he could have a he had he knew he had the feelings of a man inside of it. But he knew nothing could ever come of it. He knew that. So he, he they both fell in love with her at the same time as she danced along the streets, didn't you think? Well, I think uh falling in love is kind of a strong term to express what the priest was feeling. But uh uh, uh, the, 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 the priest was nothing more than just a, uh, a super lustful and uh, hardly a man of God. But, uh, uh, but anyway. He, 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 he told her he was ready to leave the priesthood. They could run away together. He had money. He was going to take one away. He'd stop being a priest just to live with her. Yep. I don't know that he would have done it. I think he did that. You know, that that was a lustful feeling. Uh, that's how uh, people uh, sometimes do women. You know, they keep them. He wanted to keep her. He would have kept her. She would not have had a happy life had she decided to run away with him. But uh, Phoebus was on her mind because she, you know, she had a, the love of a little girl. She didn't know what love was, actually. You know, uh, teenagers, sometimes they fall in love now. Uh, these days, and they think, oh, that's going to last forever, and next month they've got a different boyfriend. That's true. Uh, I, I didn't really much get the impression that, that Victor Hugo thought much about French jurisprudence because uh, 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 
I, I'm still wondering why they decided they needed to hang that girl because she didn't really do anything. Because the king said so. Well, yeah, yeah. The king. Well, there's there's a, there's a lot of historical um, basis too. Keep in mind, in the the Middle Ages, this was also the time when. Um, you know, there was this, uh, I, I would con almost characterize it as a, a phobia of, of, sat of satanic things and witchcraft. And it, it was believed that she was a witch. And um, this was very much against the church. And when you think about the Inquisition. And, and don't forget, she admitted to all of that stuff. Oh, it's in torture. Oh, yeah, after, that's after, what, after that's they tortured her. Yeah, after they tortured her. I, I that's, know. That's very those, meaningful. Yeah. So. Right. And in those days, that's what they did. Well, yeah, I understand. They were a bunch of idiots. That's what I'm saying. But, uh, 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 at the, 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 but that's why they hanged her, because she confessed. And the king said they had to. I guess, look at, I guess she look was... Look at how they Joan of Arc at the stake. I mean... Well, it, yeah, it seemed almost time. like it was... It seemed almost like for the populace that it was a form of entertainment. Yeah. It's like there wasn't any real meaning to it. It was just like... Oh, yeah, yeah. something to do, and yeah, you know, yeah. uh, it was it was horrible. It was well. Know, I mean, uh, my, my point was they had a they had a witness telling about what happened the day that the captain got stabbed, and there was obviously a third person there. But I guess I guess they spiritualized that person that made him a demon and stuff, which uh, which uh, uh, that. Uh, it, it, it's hard for me to reconcile that, but yeah, you know, uh, I I don't think I really fit with the with the with the class of these people back then. So, uh, oh, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't fit in there at all. But uh, but I mean, I don't think we're all um, that different. We there's still a mob mentality that oh, yeah. persists through all societies, no matter what society it is. You could see it in the Romans. You could see it in Egypt. You could see it in the USA. You could certainly see it during uh, the French Revolution and the riots that take place in South and Central America. And I mean, there was... A, for, for that part, we are not that far from hanging blacks from a tree. That's true. Because they looked at a woman or, or thought about looking at one. And look at how the, the brutal our murders are getting. And, and look at how there are these mass killings and shootings and school shootings. And, and then look at how um, something happens to somebody and there's a crowd around and nobody, nobody steps in to help. You know, some of that could be fear. Um, but um, also look at the um, times when mobs actually egg people on to do terrible things. And that has not changed. No, and and, and I, we have you know certainly made some progress. But if you look at the bullying of anybody who's different, you look at the you know total abuse of people who are yeah, or the you know the disgust that people hold for people who are heavy or have a physical disability or you know just somehow different. People are people. There's uh, we really haven't come that far. Well, the torturing of Quasimoto was um, bullying taken to the nth degree. I mean, when oh, I absolutely. think of bullying, I think of Quasimoto. Yeah, yeah. Seems to me, seems to me that the person that should have been uh, 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 
beating her whip should have been that that judge that couldn't hear sitting yeah. on a sitting on a court <laughs> where you couldn't understand anybody what anybody's saying. That, that, right. that was, was kind of I, I laughed at that part of the book actually. Well, and I have, I have to say I did not feel any remorse when the priest died the way he did. I thought that was rather Okay. He got what he deserved. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I was a little surprised. So it's kind of like a Greek tragedy. And in today's book, you know, uh, Esmerella somehow would have got off in the end. They would have figured out some way. Uh, and and uh, the fact that uh, there she was swinging, and they looked down there, uh, down there, and you could see her from the longest. I was surprised, actually. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they would have spared her, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, he, he, it wasn't in his plans, I guess. You know, uh, to talk about the thing. Uh, hangings back then, uh, and even much later than that, used to be uh, a big things, and people would gather around. It was like a little festival. Run down oh, and yeah. see the guy behind. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. at least, at least when we execute a day, uh, someone today, we don't have parties around celebrating you know and, and even some of the uh some of the people that do pretty horrible things when we learn that they have been executed you know there's doesn't seem to be a big celebration so we may have grown a little bit yeah yeah anybody that wants to see somebody mm -hmm. uh, uh put to death it's got a major problem i, I don't i don't care yeah. what the reasons are or what you know uh, I, i'm yeah. sorry yeah I agree. There, there's no reason. I don't care. I don't care what century you're talking about or whatever. You, you're you're messed up if, if that's how you're are entertained. Yeah. Well, I agree, and, and you know this <laughs> puzzles me why so many violent things are popular. Violent television programs. I that you, uh, me too. You know, I mean, I, you know, I call um, prime time crime time because it's CSI this, CSI that, and that's why sometimes I grow weary of oh. violence when I'm reading. You know what I mean? I've seen enough of it on the news, and then there's nothing good on prime time. There aren't any family dramas anymore that you can really watch. You know? Just before the just before the Iraq War started, uh, and not Iraq, but uh, oh, what was the other country? Uh, Anyway, Afghanistan. Yeah, Afghanistan. Yeah, uh, they they had this big uh, when they had a soccer game, and there were you know thousands around, and I saw on television uh, actually they brought a girl out and put her on her new, uh, knees there and stood behind her and shot her in the back of the head. So I saw I saw that I've seen I think like three killings on TV like that, and it's nothing like we see, uh, you know, on television uh, where, where you're shot, oh, man, oh, I'm dying, you know, stuff like that. You did, you are just gone, and the muscles are, and are gone, you fall straight down. But that, that lady, she was on her knees, and she just collapsed. Where like, did you see this? On television, just before, it was, you know, on the news. Where did this take place? In, In Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. I think if if you've ever read uh, Thousand Splendid Sons, they talk. Yeah, about th that. then I read about it. I didn't see it, but I read about it, and the, yeah. and and the and the I forget where I read about oh, one of the books. I think we read from one of these book clubs, and they talked about uh, the having the games and taking out people and 
at, at halftime or whatever the break is and put him putting him down there and digging a hole for him to be in everything and, then, yeah, and i said that was, i saw that that was the kite runner yeah, yeah. yes it was yeah. Yeah. thousand splendid sons was written by the same guy wasn't it yeah, yeah it's the yeah. second in the book yeah. It's, oh. it's about a girl, though, I think, named Miriam. It is. It is. It's, it's, <laughs> and how they beat her up. It's intense. It's very intense. <laughs> My husband walked into the room, and I'm sobbing, and he goes, what? what's going on? And I'm like, oh, it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But um, none of us, none of us cared that the priest went over to the side, even though no. we hate the death. Oh, even though we hate the death. There he goes. He deserved it. <laughs> So yeah, maybe, well. maybe, maybe, maybe way up in the corner, there might be a little bit of that left in us. I don't know. I, I regretted that any, I, I just wish it could have all just been resolved another way. But I know that's, but even when fairy tales have violent ends to certain characters, how can you expect? Look, look how violent the grim fairy tale, tales oh, are. Whoa. They're all violent. Very violent. I've got oh. this book on some of the original Grimm's fairy tales, and some of those are very very violent. I mean, the, the yeah, they they sure are, and things like that. It was, uh, you know, they're not sanitized like the Disney fairy tales by any means. Yeah, you know where the no, which, which fairy tale was it where the uh, kids went and uh, go, go, go into the witch's house and she had a Hansel and Gretel. House. And they were, uh, for the, the, the witch was saying she's going to eat them. Do you know why that was? Is because those uh, were written at the time of the plagues and times were so hard that people were eating once another, uh, each other during that time. And so th those stories were made softer for children, you know, but actually... Mm -hmm. They did talk about that. That really did happen. <coughs> you, you know, people On that note. <laughs> do we have a, a book for next month or? Oh, wow. That yeah. Do. Yeah, I we do. I want to end this by saying I want to thank you all for your, you know, your patience with this book. I thought it was a timely book, especially in light of the um, happenings at Notre Dame on April the 15th, <coughs> you know, the fire and all. Well, that, but, but that and was a very I, interesting discussion. And I, I hope that you, you know, I know there were probably parts of the book that you didn't care for, had trouble getting through, but I hope those of you that stayed the course um, have become richer from having had this experience and it's given you some things to think about. And those of you that haven't read the book, um, I hope that you will try to experience this story in some form, even if it's in a short form, because it really does have a lot to offer. There are a lot of universal themes and there are, there are some lights at the ends of tunnels, and um, it's it's just a very, um, you know, it's good to do a classic like this. Yes, I think it is. Yeah, I, I learned the meaning of the word gibbet. I wasn't familiar with that term. So. <laughs> uh, uh, I would have never read this book had it not been suggested, so I'm glad it was because. That's uh, the good thing I, about I, book clubs. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. yep. Yeah, you read books that you wouldn't normally read. Yeah, so yeah, that does right. happen a lot. Yes. And thank you, Carla, for leading the discussion. And very nice job. Very, very, very nice, nice it was job, Carla. Very good so job. By the way, program. by the way, I'd like to say something about Carla's voice. 
she has a wonderful voice. Uh, she could be in broadcasting working on a radio. I mean, her voice is so good and so convincing. Uh, Carla, you have. Thank you very much. It's sort of coincidental that you should say this because I did work at a radio station for three years. And I do do some voiceover stuff for educational materials that my, my business produces. See, see, well, you wrong. guys, you guys <laughs> haven't had, you guys haven't had the chance to hear Carla. Yeah, yeah the, the yeah. next book. Yeah, then you can talk. Yeah, then we can talk all night. Yeah. The, the next book, and if I'm correct, I believe we'll meet on... June 21st, and we'll be discussing The Silent Sister by Diane Chamberlain. Sounds good. It's DB79861. 79861. Um, Mary Trevathan reads the card version. I forget how many hours it is. I want to say 14, but it might be shorter. I don't remember. I read the audible version myself because I like that one better. But this is a good book. It's about a, a family. Um, the girls, the main character's father dies, and she goes back to settle his estate. And her older sister, everyone believes, was murdered or was um, committed suicide years earlier and there's a story that unravels as the book goes along it's it's really a good book a new author for me and one that i intend to read more of it is a very good book i've already read it and it is really good well i've i've got it downloaded so i can just go uh start reading it uh are we going to meet in uh july no. So, okay. Convention.